I found out where Reiner keeps some of his books. Good. You can thank me by getting rid of Mr. Capone. The sooner the better. So your Mr. Felcher can take over? Well, you keep up with all the society news, don't you? We'll get him too. You be careful now, Mr. Ness. Well, it's got no sense. Can't tell a hood from a cop. Even an untouchable ain't puncture-proof, honey. I appreciate the concern. You're just a super boy scout, ain't you? Do you want to die? Is that it? I'm trying to understand you. Is busting into speakeasies and breaking up little old crap games really worth risking your life over? I'll bet your wife don't think so. Let's just say she married a stubborn guy. At least if there were a payoff to match the risk. How much is Felcher offering? You interested, Mr. Ness? Capone can answer that one. Hi, this is me, my first off. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with our guest Chuck Harder, Chuck Harder, music, television, and pop culture historian. Chuck and I are spending a few minutes looking back at The Untouchables, The Untouchables, the long-running crime drama starring Robert Stack as government agent Elliot Ness. The Untouchables originally aired on ABC, 1959-1963, produced by Desilu Productions. Desi Arnaz, executive producer. Quinn Martin produced the first season of The Untouchables, establishing many of the trademarks that would distinguish Martin's own series as a producer throughout the 1960s and 1970s, including excellent production values, motion picture-like quality, tight-knit editing, and major guest stars. All four seasons of The Untouchables available on DVD, wherever DVDs are found. Chuck recently rediscovered The Untouchables over the last few months while sheltering in place during COVID. Chuck has a new book coming out. We'll talk about that a little later on in the segment as well. In the meantime, you can keep up with Chuck at LilaLeadsBook.com. Lila Leads, L-E. EDS, LilaLeadsBook.com. One of the reasons why it still holds up is because it's a classic morality play. Yes. Good guys, bad guys. And the, and the good guys always win at the end. So it's, it, it, it works well on that level. It's great nostalgia. It's, 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 it has elements of film noir. Um, it's, uh, it, it has a lot of atmosphere. It was, it was uh, you know, Quinn Martin was the first uh, producer to really use night for night shooting, yes. which is where you would. Yes. There was a lot of a, a lot a lot of scenes took place um, at at night. Uh, economically, uh, companies still do this. They'll use like a black um, filter. filter and they'll put it on the lens so you can shoot something two o'clock in the afternoon on a bright sunny day. But when you see it on film, it looks like it was filmed at night. Desi, Desi Arnaz didn't go for that. Quinn Martin didn't go for that. And so that's all adding to the production values of The Untouchables. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it was a violent program of the day and was criticized by the National Association of Better Radio and Television as not fit for the television screen in the initial attacks. Mm -hmm. But various other experts or social critics or so forth chimed in and said, well, okay, it's violent, but it does teach a moral lesson that crime doesn't pay. 
and does reward virtue and that kind of thing. So that that criticism kind of faded away early, much with the uh, Italian gangster criticism. But um, I'm enjoying it. I, I actually bought the last uh, fourth season, and I'm going to take the ride till the end because it's just really good. Yeah, and the fourth season, there, there, were, there were a couple of format changes because uh, you had a new production team going in, Al, uh, Alvin Cooperman and Leonard Freeman. And, and th- this happens sometimes. Sometimes you're making new producers. You, you try to do a couple of things. One of the things they introduced was they wanted to make Elliot Ness a little more three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is uh, the, the the audience did not react well to that, <laughs> and so there was a uh, they, they they lost a little bit of audience during the fourth season, but not enough that I mean uh, the, the the numbers went down a little bit, but they were still holding its own, and ABC wanted to renew it for a fifth year, but uh, Robert Stack at that point uh, he he had devoted four years of his life, you know, thirty episodes a year. He was getting a little tired. He wanted to do other things. And so um, uh, my understanding is Stack had the final say, and he ended the show after four years, and then he went on to do you know movies, and then a few years later he was doing Name of the Game. Yeah, that's true. And also, I think, again, business-wise and television production, once you hit three to four seasons, you have enough episodes for a syndicated yes. package yeah. where it could run again five days a week mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And it did run again. 70s, for, for 80s, many, 90s, many years, you know, yeah. forever in a day. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Robert Stack's very good in it. And again, I, I've seen them, and occasionally there'll be one, eh, it's okay. But even their worst episodes are okay. There's nothing horrible. And uh, it really holds up. The Untouchables, starring Robert Stack, uh, the crime and uh, agent series. Please watch it if you can. All four seasons of The Untouchable are available on DVD. Chuck Carter is with us. Chuck recently rediscovered The Untouchables over the past few months while sheltering in place during COVID. He's uh, here to talk about it. Chuck has a new book coming up. We'll talk about that a little later on the program as well. You can learn more about Chuck's upcoming book, Lila Leads, L-E-E-D-S, Lila Leads Book. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. I thought one bitter irony about the show's success is that the real Elliot Ness died two to three years before the show aired. Yeah. And it would have been great for him. Imagine the publicity he would have got, but he got it posthumously. He had just released his memoir in 1957. He had just finished um, writing it. I don't remember whether the book was published yet but he died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was only 54 years old. He was a hard-driving guy. And, and yet, if you, if you read his memoir, which I did many, many years ago, he's very nondescript. I mean, it's like, this is what I did. He was not full of himself. <laughs> it's like, okay, I had a job to do. This was my job. And with the help of uh, uh, a UPI reporter, Oscar Fraley, he tells into a very gripping narrative and it's just it's it's sad that he did not live to see the success of his book and the untouchables movie but uh, and, and the untouchables series but uh, for, you know, all 118 episodes are available on DVD wherever DVDs are sold 
Um, uh, Chuck Carter is sharing some memories uh, with us talking about the Untouchables, and he's also going to tell us a little bit about his new book that's coming up. And I will tell about the new book in a moment. I wanted to add one or two things more about the Untouchables. Imagine this. The original choice for Elliot Ness was Van Johnson. And right up until almost production time, it looked good, but Johnson's wife was his agent and hit Desi Arnaz up for a a lot more money <laughs> on like a Friday. Yeah. And they were going to start filming Monday. Yeah. So Stack got the call. And maybe that's why Desi was such a good salesman because we have to start on Monday. We got no Elliot Nix. Exactly. What are we going to do? Yeah. But Van Johnson. In- including not mentioning the word pilot. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Right. But Van Johnson was a fine actor, but he's blonde and pale. And I don't think he could have been that hard, stoic yeah. leader type that um, Robert Stack was. And the other thing I'd like to mention is, uh, and I'm sure everyone who hears this will remember this, the feature film that came out years later with Kevin Kevin Costner, Costner. which was a great movie, really, really well done, um, just shows that the story of The Untouchables continued. Mm -hmm. And and I remember seeing that in the theater, and I thought it was De Niro as uh, Capone. Capone. It, It was just real good. And of course, by then... I mean, there's a famous story where Capone had a meeting of his guys, and and one of them was a rat, and he took a baseball bat and beat him to death in Mm -hmm. front of everyone. And, of course, that's shown in the Kevin Costner film. And I believe Robert Stack, in in your interview, Ed, said they tried to get that in, the original Untouchables, but that's pushing it a little too hard for the violence. A lot of some of the violence was implied or quick cuts i mean if you're beating a guy to death with a baseball bat that's hard to cover yeah but the show continued but as for me i'm working on a new book and it's on the actress starlet lila Leeds. now lila was an up-and-coming starlet in the late 40s and progressing nicely beautiful blonde And in 1948, she was arrested with Robert Mitchum at a party where they had marijuana. Big, big scandal. It was the first time that movie stars were smoking weed. There was a big trial, and Lila and Mitchum both got 60 days in jail. Now, he was under contract to a few studios, one of whom was run by Howard Hughes, and they had $5 million in films coming up that he was in so he got the best lawyers and spin doctors in the press and since Mitchum was kind of a bad boy anyway this actually didn't hurt his career it may have helped it and his career went through the roof but poor little Lila Leeds was just a starlet and she got out and was basically unemployable she made a quickie anti-marijuana movie called She Shoulda Said No, which is on YouTube, which is a hoot. It's pretty fun. And she's actually quite good in it. And then she ended up singing in the Midwest in the early 50s in clubs to much success, but unfortunately got into heroin, hard drugs, and other insanity. So the 50s was not good for her, and it looked like she probably was going to die. Into the 60s, Again, bad trouble, lost her kids, just horrible things. But in the mid-60s, she became born again and cleaned up and got her kids back and became a reverend. And into the 70s, um, 
had a little church on Melrose Avenue in Hollywood near Paramount where she would counsel addicts or help ex-cons or perform marriages and that kind of thing. She was very happy and then lived for the next 20 years until her death in 1999, a relatively quiet life, but was painting, going to school, and pretty happy. So the story of Lila Leeds is one of triumph and tragedy, ups and downs, uh, hope and despair, and uh, but ultimately a story of redemption. How did you learn about Lila's story, and where can listeners follow you to learn more about your book about? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, this is how this happens to me in books. It's the weirdest thing. And I, another time I'll talk about the two or three previous. An odd circumstance leads to three years of working on something. Mm -hmm. So this is now about eight, nine, ten months ago. And I was aware of a series of comic short films made in the late 40s into the early 50s starring a character Joe McDokes. And they were little 10-minute comedies, so you want to be a detective, so you want to be a plumber, or that kind of thing. And I'd never seen them, and I'm a big fan of vintage comedies. So I was at some store, and they had a set of the Joe McDokes for cheap, and I thought, oh, okay, I've never seen these. I like comedy. Maybe they'll be good. So I got them, and I watched the first four or five, and they were okay, not really grabbing me, but okay. And then one came on called So You Want to Be a Detective, and in it... He goes to this house, and this stunningly beautiful blonde has a little scene with him. And not only was she drop-dead gorgeous, she was funny and just lit the screen up like Marilyn Monroe did. And I thought, God, who's that? So there were no billing except for him in the short. So I looked up the short, and it was Lila Leeds. And I said, Lila Leeds, where do I know that name from? And in the 60s, there was a book called Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger, which was a lot of scandal mm -hmm. stories about Hollywood. And in it is a famous photo, which is on my website, which I'll name in the moment, of the moment when Lila and Mitchum at the trial were found guilty. And it's Lila, her attorney, Mitchum, and Jerry Giesler, Mitchum's attorney. It's funny to see the reactions because Mitchum is shrugging like, it's a big deal. And Lila is in shock. Yeah. And I went, Lila Leeds, that's the gal who was busted with Mitchum. You know, I always wondered what, I know what happened to him. What happened to her? So in my research, I've got four or five vintage newspaper sites. So I started punching in Lila Leeds, and I was getting all these incredible articles and stuff coming up, both pre-bust and after. And I kept going, God, this is, in a way, horrible for her, but great story. And I was just going, oh, man, look at that, look at that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I have to do it. Um, and I'm going to self-publish this one, so this will be a nice way to learn that game. And uh, so that's how I got into it. But the more I'm, I'm getting into it, uh, it's going to be an incredible story. I've told some people, and they go, this should be a movie, this should be a movie. And maybe it will. We'll have to see. And I am in touch with her son, and he's done some interviews with me, which are very revealing. And I'm progressing on it. And so the way to see my progress so far is to go to lilaleadsbook.com, L I L A. L-E-E-D-S book.com, lilaleadsbook.com. 
There's all kind of content. There's a video with me. There's clips and pictures and stuff. And if anybody is kind enough to go, there's places where you can leave your name and email address to get blogs from me because I'm doing one a week to kind of, you know, keep it going and raise the profile. And also you'll be and, on my and, list. And build your audience. And build yeah. my audience. Yeah. And then later when I'm ready to sell, uh, you'll know. But do check it out because I've talked to a lot of people who aren't particularly Hollywood historians or don't care about old films or whatever. And when they see my site or they start to hear about it, every single one of them is fascinated by the story and her. And again, Lila Leeds. Anybody that hears this, Google Lila Leeds image and you'll see this stunning blonde pop up who is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. She originally, when she was at MGM, was called the new Lana Turner. She's that stunning. And what an amazing story. And it was just a poor little girl who got caught up in it. And in the Hollywood game, whoever makes the most money is protected and wins. And she wasn't making money for anybody. So she got tossed under the bus. But fortunately, she didn't get run over. LilaLeadsBook.com, LilaLeads, L-E-E-D-S, LilaLeadsBook.com to keep up with Chuck's progress on his forthcoming book about Lila Leeds. Uh, Chuck Carter, always fun to have you on our program. Look forward to our next visit, learning more about Lila Leeds and other stuff that you're doing. And thank you, Ed. Always nice to truck over to South Pasadena and uh, sit in this wonderful studio with a picture of the fugitive on the wall and Batman. I'm surrounded by all this pop culture. I don't know. I should have shaved better. But uh, anyway, thank you, Ed. I'll see you next time. Thank you, Chuck. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.